All right, before we start today's episode, I just want to start out by thanking all the listeners of this podcast, and uh, I encourage you to uh, subscribe, uh, hit download, uh, tell your friends and family, leave a review, leave leave uh, whatever star review you feel is is uh, this this podcast is worth. Leave a verbal um, review if you're in a place like uh, like on the uh, on the Apple. Uh, app uh, the podcast app or on uh, youtube or wherever you can i know not all the uh places that you get podcasts let you leave a review but if you can do a review i'd appreciate it it helps boost us up in the algorithms and get more noticed um and if you're um i definitely got to give a big shout out and uh recognize the patreon subscribers who uh financially support this podcast and if you are interested in learning more about that head over to patreon.com slash big truth and there's four different tiers of support and uh you can sign up they all have their own little uh exclusive benefits and privileges so uh, check it out at patreon.com slash big truth and if you're looking for old or new uh, bike parts if you're looking for any bike parts or motorcycle gear riding gear whatnot check out old bike barn um, at oldbikebarn.com on instagram and facebook and all that at old bike barn uh, they got whatever you need whether you're building a chopper cafe racer stock bike uh, for your harley or especially if you got an old vintage uh, japanese motorcycle they, they have a lot of uh, stuff that other people don't have for your uh, for your old honda cb50s and all that stuff um sorry cb500s <laughs> Uh, and uh, or your or your CB six fifties or seven fifties, whatever. But you know Yamaha, uh, you, you know your XS six fifties, uh, all that stuff. So check them out, oldbikebarn.com. And if uh, you uh, have been looking to get into trying some CBD oil because you're having trouble sleeping or you got inflammation or soreness or gym recovery stuff, whatnot, check out crystallakeclear.com. Uh, they got super high grade uh, CBD oil. I've been taking the mint chocolate one at night and sleeping like a baby. So check them out at crystallakeclear.com. Um, and, uh, you know, if you got a filthy phallus or a dirty dingus or a hairy harry, whatever you want to say, uh, you need to check out manscaped.com because summer is coming. It's going to be hot out, humid out, and uh, you need to get the situation under control down there. You want a nice, clean, uh, cool uh, area. You don't need a freaking grungy, mangy, stinky swamp down there. So check out manscaped.com. They got a device called the Lawnmower 3.0. That's a special razor developed just for shaving your nether regions and private areas and sensitive spots. Uh, they got these special ceramic blades that do not cut, nick, or scratch down there unless you go at it like a fucking savage. So, uh, you know, just take it easy, take your time, do things right, and uh, you will not have blood on your fingertips, and you'll be happy uh, for it, and uh, your partner will be very happy for it, and uh, when summer comes, it'll be having like a little air conditioner down there. Uh, so check them out, manscaped.com. Use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout. Get 20% off your order and free shipping. So even, even you know what I mean? And they got all kinds of package deals and stuff going on, and you save 20% even off that. So manscaped.com, use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout. You get 20% off your order. And if you happen to be in the unfortunate situation where you get into a motorcycle accident, you need to check out lawtigers.com. Uh, they are a motorcycle law firm uh, that specializes in accidents and uh, motorcycle accidents, and they are, um, it was a law firm founded by riders for motorcycle riders. And if you, uh, 
you know, you can go to lawtigers.com and uh, get all their information or go to Facebook and type in Law Tigers in the state you're in. So uh, for here, like we type in Law Tigers, Massachusetts, and it'll bring up the local office. So you get in touch uh, with someone more local in your regional office of Law Tigers because they're all over the country. So you definitely want to check them out. Hope you never need to use that sponsor. But if you do uh, get in an accident, hit them up. They're going to hook you up and take care of you. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for some clothing, you need to check out Amerta. They got a new uh, collabo coming out with The Business, one of my favorite old British oi bands. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, a homeboy uh, Mick, uh, uh, from Australia drew up for them. Um, so you need to check that out. Um, they also have a whole line of, uh, you know, streetwear, street apparel. And uh, whether you're looking for a hoodie, a shirt, jacket, socks, whatever. They uh, use American-made apparel whenever they can, and uh, most all their screen printing is done in-house. It's a truly DIY operation uh, with a far reach. You need to check them out, amertamia.com, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, at amertamia. And uh, again, over there, use the promo code uh, BIGTRUTH at checkout. You will get 20% off your order. Oh, and I forgot to mention, at Crater Lake Clear, Use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout, and I think it's either 20 or 25% off your order. So uh, just uh, when you go to checkout, make sure you hit Big Truth. Um, I can't believe I forgot to say that because I'm trying to save you money wherever I can. And my I got rad sponsors that are down with the program, and they want to save you money too. So, you know, check all these guys out. And if you're into, like, the occult or paranormal or serial killers or vans, meaning vans like the driving van, like 70s show vans, psychedelic, uh, psychedelics in general, or, or psychedelic uh, li uh, light shows or uh, choppers, you know, uh, all that antisocial stuff. You need to check out my man Zach's uh, clothing company called Heavy. Uh, you can check them out at heavy.big.cartel.com. Uh, heavy let, me, let me say that one more time without totally butchering it. I'm uh, hiccuping, sorry, heavy.bigcartel.com or on Instagram at Heavy Clothing. Uh, they got all the stuff you need, uh, Rad Clothing Company. Uh, they also have uh, an assortment of antisocial uh, and drug paraphernalia products. Um, you know, if you really uh, need some, you know, if you're into uh, motorcycles in general, building choppers, riding bikes, whatever you're into, uh, you need to check out Chop Cult. Uh, they are the biggest online information resource for that an online community for motorcycle riders and chopper builders and whatnot. So check them out at chopcult.com. You can sign up on their message boards. It's free. And all those message boards, it's all broken up by different topics. Wicked easy to navigate. Uh, costs you nothing to join, uh, you know, so... Uh, and they don't ask for your credit card or nothing sketchy, but they got an online swap meet where you can buy, sell, trade parts. Uh, they got a... Um, they, they got a, a like an events page where you can see uh, motorcycle-related events all across the country and all across the world. Um, they uh, have an email list where they'll send a like, digest out to you, like weekly digest. They got everything going on over there, so check them out at chopcult.com and at all social medias, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 at chopcult pitchforkny.com. You need to check them out, especially if you're in a punk rock, heavy metal, or hardcore, and you're looking for some new gear because they are uh, a mainstay in those music uh, genres and, uh, uh, and you know, supply so many people with fucking rad gear. Uh, my man Warren and company, uh, they also got a little uh, a record label that they're doing with this, like, uh, it's a kind of like back to school series where they're putting out these split seven inches from uh, different artists all across the country. Um, you know, they got an East Coast band on one side and a West Coast band on the other. And it's been bands like Murphy's Law, Rancid, Sick of It All, uh, 
the eulogy, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. So check it out, um, pitchforkny.com and on Instagram at pitchforkny. Um, and uh, last but not least, uh, Chop Ahead Custom Cycles, my bike shop. Check us out. We got an online web store where we sell parts and apparel. Um, we have a, we, but beyond that, because that's where a lot of places stop. We are a full service motorcycle brick and mortar shop. So you can come in. We got a parts counter, a showroom. Uh, we got an area with, for, with all the helmets and whatnot. You can try shit on. Um, you know, we, we stock Biltwell, Simpson, Bell. Um, uh, you know, whatever you need, we, we get the half helmets, you know, whatever you need. So come in, uh, cause uh, spring's coming and you need to get geared up and, uh, you need stuff for your bike. And if you don't do the work yourself, we can do the work. We do everything from oil changes to full custom chopper builds. So check us out, chopahead.com. Um, if you don't see it on the website, cause I don't, I don't do the, the, as good of a job as I do in updating and putting everything we carry on the website, but we're pretty much set up with everyone. So if you need a Thunderheader, you, you know, you need a, you know, you need a TTS tuner, whatever you need, we got it. Um, you need some uh, crazy bars, you know, if we don't got it and we don't, we'll make it, you know, so whatever you need, give us a call at chopahead.com uh, or shoot us an email um, or give us a call at 508-995-6764. And if you're in the area, uh, stop on by 13 County Road, East Freetown, Massachusetts. Last but not least, uh, check out BigTruthPodcast.com for more information on the show and uh, to uh, see all the back uh, episodes. And, uh, you know, or this is also available, as you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into today's episode right now, because I can tell you dudes and gals and everyone listening, this one is going to be a gripper. Yes, once again, we have liftoff. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the Big Truth Podcast. And uh, today I got Matthew Roberts on, who's uh, author of a, a book that came out last year called Initiated. Um, and uh, th- just so everyone knows, this is one I've been looking forward to for a while. And uh, and, and, and and Matthew, just to talk about synchronicity, uh, synch- the, the, the principles of synchronicity really quick. I had, I had ordered your book. I had started reading it. And then something... I don't really go on Reddit that much, but I popped in because I got a notification about like an update to a group and it just happened to be you talking about a little bit about your book and kind of being, Hey, does anyone have any questions? And I reached out to you and then literally you got back to me like that night or the next day. And it was just like all kind of came together at once. And then now here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just kind of, you know, bizarre, not a bizarre thing, but you know, things happen and, and along a timeline or whatever, whatever it is. And, uh, for a reason, but, uh, so I'm stoked to have you today. Um, if you're not familiar with, uh, with Matthew's story, he was, a um, uh, a Naval vet, 16 year veteran. Uh, he also, what, you were a cryptographer for the, for the Navy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I spent a total of 16 years in the Navy. Um, and the entire time I was a cryptologist. Cryptologist. Um, okay. Yeah. And, um, so that's, you know, kind of a subset of intelligence. Um, so, and so that's what I did for 16 years. I, I worked in naval intelligence. Yeah. And then, so 
some of you may be familiar with um in uh was it, it was a, in 2015 there was a incident filmed by some naval pilots and they some people call it the gimbal incident or the go fast and, and there was a ufo or uap type experience and um the pentagon that's those are two of the uh footages that the pentagon released uh not too long ago and uh you were on the uss roosevelt at the time that the the gimbal and go fast uh footage was recorded uh, yes, that's right. I, uh, I I was stationed on uh, the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 2015, and I was present for those events. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll kind of get into that story a little bit, if you'd like. Um, uh, so we were, you know, off the coast of Florida doing our workup cycle for deployment, and basically that's just you know, where we go out on the ship and, and, and we prepare for deployment and they put us in different scenarios, uh, to see how we'll react to that scenario. And, um, you know, it's, it's a whole tested evolution. So, so you get graded based on, you know, how well you reacted to a certain situation or a scenario that they put you in. And this, you know, is like a, a month long thing, you know, so, so from, uh, the time you wake up in the morning when the, when the, when the clock starts to a month later, when the clock ends, you're in this constant, you know, training environment, 24 hours a day where they just kind of throw things at you. Um, and so, you know, we were at the end of that, um, we were at, at the end of that training cycle. Uh, and that was when, uh, the ship encountered, uh, these objects in the sky, um, and they were they were recorded on F-18 gun cameras, um, and so that was my first exposure in 2015 to uh, what is now called the gimbal footage. Yeah, uh, and uh, and the go fast footage uh, was also uh, captured around the same time. Now, did 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 people? I mean, you know, and I know some of this is probably stuff you can't can or can't talk about. But at that time, um, was that footage when when those pilots filmed that was that widely known on the ship, or did you guys not really know about it or hear about it? And was that some? Did people just think it was part of the training, like where they were just throwing, trying to throw you guys for a loop? You know, like what was kind of the thought of that stuff when when it, when it occurred? Uh, so, I mean, when it occurred, we had finished uh, the training evolution. And I was, I was actually sitting around waiting to be debriefed on our grade, you know, how, how well my shop had performed. Um, <clears throat> and, um, so I was just sitting around kind of waiting for that. Uh, when a friend of mine from another part who also works in intelligence, but works in a different shop, he came in, uh, and said, Hey, check this out. Uh, so, I sat down at my computer and I pulled it up and I watched, you know, what is now known as the gimbal and go fast footage yeah. uh, on my screen. And uh, so that was, that was my first time seeing it was back in 2015. Other people on the ship, I don't think um, were aware that any of this was happening. Yeah. Uh, but obviously because I, you know, my job was very much, behind closed doors and it was all classified. So I dealt with classified things all day long. 
And so that's why I kind of had access to this. And I, the rest of the people on the ship, I think, uh, for the most part, were unaware that anything was happening, sure. to be honest. Yeah, so because when the pilots came back, it wasn't like everyone was like, well, what the hell happened? It was more like that stuff became like, shh, because it was classified. And then and then ended up, then later it ended up getting leaked. Or, and then at some point, the, the Pentagon, uh, was it last year or whatever, the Pentagon end, ended up just, uh, um, you know, uh, acknowledging it. And which was kind of like a historical type event, you know, for them to even acknowledge that. Yeah, it was. And uh, so I'll go into how how all of that happened too, uh, for uh, from my perspective anyway. Sure, um, yeah. So I, so I, you know, after this event in 2015, I kind of just put this in the back of my head um, a little bit because I thought, you know, if this is real, you know, and these you know, all this UFO stuff is real. I clearly, um, am not read into whatever program deals with that. So I'll never know, you know? Sure. So I just, I, I kind of left it at that. Um, we went on our around the world deployment. Um, and then I transferred to the office of Naval intelligence in Washington, DC. Um, and that is where, that's where things really started to kind of pick up for me. So, sure. you know, I had had this, um, medical emergency and, uh, I was at home recovering from that, uh, when my brother texted me and he said, you know, uh, there was this article in the New York times and there's footage, you know, you should check it out. So, you know, I, I clicked on the links he sent me and I, 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 read the article and I watched the footage and, you know, my heart just kind of sank into my stomach because, you know, here I was now watching on my telephone <laughs> footage that I had seen first behind closed doors in 2015. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, people aren't really familiar with how classified things work and how it works to live in this world where everything you do is classified. But that is that was a huge shock for me to see that um, because you know I couldn't have imagined any scenario in twenty back in twenty fifteen where I would have been able to watch this footage on my cell phone in sure. public you know so so that was that was kind of shocking yeah and uh, and I I never talked to my family about you know the nature of my job and the things that I did so. The thought of talking to my brother about this was kind of a little bit horrifying, to me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I knew he would be calling me any minute, uh, so I, I kind of, you know, just I was I was in a panic really, uh, and I, I did not want to have this conversation with him at all. Um, but he did call me, and he said the first thing he said was, you know, have you ever encountered anything like this? And, uh, I kind of choked a little bit, you know, <laughs> and I, I started thinking to myself, you know, can I talk about this now? I mean, it's all out there in the public. The New York times is talking about it. Uh, you know, and so I started thinking, you know, and, and also, you know, the, the, the Senator Harry Reid is quoted in the article and he was a former Senate majority leader. Yeah. So I thought, you know, well, maybe, maybe I can talk about this. So I told my brother, yeah, you know, I was, I was there when this happened. Um, and he was a little shocked by that. I think, 
I think he, I think that was an answer that he wasn't really prepared to hear. Sure. Um, and so, um, he went quiet for a few days after that. <laughs> yeah. And, and just for a little bit of a background on this, you know, I know this from your book and we'll, and we'll get into like, you know, the things that started happening after that and how you've processed it. But like, you're coming at this from a perspective where you, like you said, you weren't like a UFO guy or a believer guy and, you know, kind of an atheist background and, and a scientific background. And, and, um, you know, like you said, and like your father was an astronomer, was it grandfather was like a worked for NASA for NASA. Mm-hmm. Like, so you weren't yeah. coming from a perspective, like where this is was stuff you were even kind of really thinking about. So it must've been, you know, like kind of, like, how did that hit you when, you know, one first, when you first saw the footage back in 2015, and then when you see that it's now it's been released and acknowledged by, the, by, you know, by the government, like, like, and, 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 and what's your take on why they even kind of acknowledged it? Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I can't speak for that. I don't know why. Uh, well, I, I, I can guess, yeah. but it's just a guess sure. as to why. Uh, they've decided to do this. And I, I don't know, maybe you want to have that conversation a little bit later when we start to get into uh, the consciousness aspect of this. But okay. I, I, I really think that, that's, that the whole consciousness component to this, is, I think, is the reason why it's coming out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can definitely um, fit that in where, where, where you feel like it, it fits in better in the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so it, it just must have been you know, kind of crazy for you that like, it's like all this classified stuff's coming out. And then, um, you know, when did, you know, the, the next kind of phase kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of kick in for you? When did you start having, you know, more experiences and when did things start, you know, picking up or getting weird for you? Uh, yeah. So, you know, when I read the article in New York times, they mentioned, um, a group that Tom DeLong, uh, the singer of Angels and Airways and Blink-182, he had founded this group yeah. uh, to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science. And so, you know, being the very grounded and analytical type mind that I am, I thought, well, you know, if I want to get to the bottom of this, let me see if any of these individuals wrote any books, you know, and, and what are they saying about it? So I, you know, I went on and I read... Uh, Tom DeLong has a few books out. Um, he's got a couple of series books out. Uh, I read those, and Jacques Vallée had written a forward to some of those books, so I, I looked into some of Jacques Vallée's work. There was a, a doctor on the staff, uh, Dr. Colm Kelleher, who uh, wrote a book called Hunt for the Skinwalker, and it's all about Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. which now there's a television show dedicated to that. Um, so I read that, um, and these books were just, they were so bizarre to me because they seemed to speak to, uh, there being like a whole paranormal or consciousness aspect to this, which I, I didn't really understand. Um, because like you said, growing up, I, I grew up in a very scientific household. We never went to church. I was an atheist. Uh, if, if science couldn't prove it, then it didn't exist, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of the background that I was coming from. And in fact, you know, and I've said this before that, you know, when, when I would see a television show come on, uh, and, and it was somebody talking about an abduction experience or, you know, uh, 
seeing UFOs, I kind of rolled my eyes, you know, and changed the channel because I thought it was just so out there, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But then, but then here I was, you know, faced with this uh, from, from these books and stuff that I had been reading. So I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe all that stuff isn't just hocus pocus tinfoil hat stuff. You know, maybe there is something there. Um, and so that, of course, uh, started me on this path uh, that uh, that gets a little crazy. Um, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I've read a good, you know, probably half to three quarters of your book. So I, I saw, I saw a little bit of your, uh, your path, man. Like, and, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a wild and, uh, and weird and, 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 and story, you know? Yeah. 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 And I, 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 that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book because, um, all of this stuff does seem kind of out there. Uh, but when you have someone telling it who spent 16 years in naval intelligence, someone who's grounded in reality, uh, someone who um, is credible, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I, I've never done drugs. I don't even drink, sure. you know, so there's, there's no way anybody can claim that I was hallucinating, anything, yeah. you know. And, 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 uh, and not to mention just, you know, and I know it's probably something you can't talk about or whatnot, but I can't imagine what the vetting process is like to become a cryptologist and, and work for naval intelligence. Like they're not going to just let, you know, some, someone that's kind of like not a hundred percent grounded, you know, in those types of positions, I would assume. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the screening process for this a, a job and in intelligence period is, uh, very rigorous, uh, so there's, there's uh, when I when I first went to go get my clearance, there's this, you know, I don't know how many pages. It must have been a hundred pages of questions they ask you. They'll ask you, you know, where have you lived for the past ten years? Uh, where have you gone to school for the past ten years? They'll ask you for contacts of people you know, uh, and they will actually um, go back ten years, and they will go back to some place you lived ten years ago, and they'll knock on your neighbor's door. And say, oh, you know, this guy, he lived next door to you for uh, 10 years ago. What was he like? Yeah. You know? They, I mean, they, they went as far back as to interview uh, elementary school teachers of mine. Yeah. Uh, so so this isn't something that um, they take lightly. Sure. You know, and if there was anything untoward in my past, they would have found that. Yeah, and I'm, um, I'm but sure I, there's probably a good psychological test, uh, uh, psychological or personality testing component to it as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 interview you. They they sit there and they watch you and they evaluate you. It's it's, it's rigorous, and yeah. and they won't just let anybody do it. You sure. know. Yeah. And that and that's what makes you know your book, like in the experiences that you came forward with, so amazing because it's not like someone you can just dismiss. Because you know that's the problem is a lot of times where people have come out with books or stories or um, about you know, these types of experiences, whatever the experiences are, people are quick to dismiss, like, oh, it must just be some wacky dude or whatever. Like, can't really do mm -hmm. that, you know, with someone uh, with a level of credibility as yourself. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's primarily the reason why I came forward, because I knew that uh, I had to lend credibility to that conversation, you know, um, because this is a conversation that needs to be had. 
Absolutely. So, so the, the, you know, your brother calls you, tells you about, you know, Hey, you, you ever see this stuff? And you, you go and now you're looking on YouTube and seeing the stuff that was classified that you saw a few years earlier, um, that, you know, was behind closed doors. Uh, you said kind of pit in your stomach, you know, just because of, you know, all this, you know, I'm sure it's kind of a big, like, you know, you know, what do I do with this? You know? Um, and then not too long after that, you know, you, you transfer over to, 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 uh, DC and, and, um, and then things start happening. Like how did things first start happening for you? And I know, you know, at some point, you know, you realize things happened, you know, more when you were, were a kid as well, but like, you know, the next part of the story um, here is, you know, you know, this whole series of events starts unfolding in front of you. Like, like how did that kind of kick off, I guess, for lack of a better. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of, uh, uh, it became a very paranormal experience really. Um, so I was sitting in my truck one night and I had, I had been reading all of these books and from an analytical standpoint, in my own mind, I had reached the end, the end of the, the end of the road. You know, yeah. So, a, a um, quick question before we even go there, and I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but from your perspective, mm-hmm. like given your background, um, and then you had this experience with, with seeing this footage, and then you start reading up on it. What was your impression of what you were reading? Were you at that point were you like, hey, some of this actually could be interesting, or were you saying, nah, you know, these guys might be a little wacky or something? Uh, no, I, you know, Colm Kelleher's book it talks about some pretty extraordinary things that had happened on Skinwalker Ranch. And, and I, I didn't really think that any of that was nonsense, you know, because the source for me was, uh, this group that was associated with the Pentagon. So I, I didn't look at that and say, well, you know, that's just too out there. Um, because it was, for me, it was a credible source. So I said, well, you know, maybe this stuff has really happened. And, and honestly, I thought I found it a little bit creepy. Um, <laughs> and I, I think anybody would in, in reading that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you, there's, there's one incident where it talks about a woman, uh, the, 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 the mother, the, she comes home, um, you know, when, when this ranch was privately owned, she comes home with some groceries, she puts them away and then goes to the bathroom and comes back and the groceries are all back in the bags on the counter, you yeah. know, and this, this seems like uh, ghostbusters type <laughs> type stuff, you know, things that you just see in the movies, but uh, you have this Dr. Colm Kelleher that's writing about it. And so you kind of have to lend it some kind of credibility and take it seriously. Sure. Yeah. And the, and the, the thing about the Skinwalker Ranch stuff, I know a, lot, a little bit about it, not a ton, but it just seems the amount of different kind of, um, phenomena or activities that are happening there. It's like a pretty wide breadth. You have things like that, that like people could say is like, Oh, is that like ghost stuff? Or you, you got like, uh, you know, like you know, bulletproof wolves and stuff like, you know, like there's like mythical right. creatures. There's all kinds of, uh, uh, there's all kinds of phenomena happening there at once, you know, that's been written about, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that there's so many different things happening there but it's kind of like you when things started happening there wasn't just like you didn't experience like you know the the typical um uh you know abduction type scenario that you read about or hear about like your your kind of experiences 
were so different and in, in, in interesting. And, and one of the things I really like about your book is, you know, which we'll get into because we got a little ways to get to till we get to that, is your whole analysis and, and, uh, of the situation and what you tie it into um, is, is what makes it very unique. Um, but, but not to derail it over to that now, but, um, you know, so sorry, continue. I, w- I didn't mean to derail it, but there's a lot I want to talk about with you, man. I'm just excited. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I'll, I'll say this that you know, in I, I feel like you know, I, I had a different experience because I was kind of coming at it from a different angle. Yeah, uh, I was coming at it from an analytic standpoint. Um, I, I wanted to know what was going on ultimately, you know, and so so I had that in my mind from the beginning uh, that I was going to figure this out you know, and figure out what's going on. And I think that a lot of people who start to have these experiences, they'll have, you know, they'll have like fear emotions that will take over uh, and they'll kind of run from the experience and try to deny it. And, and and I think that I, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. You know, I insisted uh, that I needed to know uh, regardless of how, how um, painful the experience might have been. Sure. I was gonna say, um, it seemed like you suffered through a lot to kind of get to, you know, to, to figure out what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it was, it was incredibly painful. Um, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's one of the aspects of this that I think that keeps people from ultimately realizing the truth of it um, is that they, they will experience these painful experiences and, the first instinct is to run from it. You know, yeah. I, I, I gotta get out of here. You know, I gotta yeah. stop this fight or flight. Right. Yeah. And, and I did not do that. So, so that's why I think I arrived at these different conclusions and, uh, these conclusions that I arrived at, I can see, you know, written on the pages of history, um, in all the world's religions. Sure. And so that, that's the conclusion that I came to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, going back, I don't know if you want me to start with how. Yeah, how well, that's what I say. Before before we get to the conclusions, let's let everyone know what <laughs> happened. So, so you you saw the videos, and then you started reading up on it, and then you know, in your own analytical mind, you're like, hey, you know, maybe there is something behind this, and then things yeah. really started kind of opening up to you. Yeah. Um, so I I was sitting in my truck one night, and I had been reading all these books, and I I had kind of reached the end of my analytical rope. Uh, in terms of things that I was willing to read uh, because uh, I needed it to be a credible source in order for it to be a source for me. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I started thinking there was a kind of a cliffhanger in one of Tom DeLong's books that he leads off where these characters find these glowing tablets, you know, and I thought, well, I wonder what those tablets were, you know, so I started looking up various types of tablets, ancient tablets on my phone sitting there in my truck. And, um, I came across the Emerald tablet, which is kind of a hermetic philosophy type teaching. Uh, and it talks about hermetism and, and hermetic teaching. So I kind of looked into that a little bit, you know, I, I was just following this stream of consciousness that, you know, that, that that we get roped into so often when we're just surfing the net. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I came across this book called, um, the Kabbalion, yeah. 
which is all about hermetic teaching. And so I, I read the synopsis of it and I thought, well, that just sounds kind of too out there for me because one of the things about this book is that it talks about how nothing that happens is coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence. And so it seems to imply that we have no free will, which is, is a very difficult thing for people to accept. So, so it becomes a difficult kind of concept to grasp. And that's the biggest problem people have with this book. And I thought, well, you know, it's not for me then I'm not going to read that, you know? So, so I thought maybe there's like a MUFON chapter near me and I can look that up. Uh, but I wasn't finding anything that was recent. Uh, I was only finding posts that were 10 years old from MUFON in the area. I was living in Maryland at the time, just outside DC. And, uh, so I said, you know, I said to myself, okay, um, I'm just going to have to leave it at that and I'll have to wait for more releases from the government and, um, from to the stars Academy. Uh, and that's it. You know, and I went to bed that night. So the next morning, uh, I woke up and I had to drive South to the Texan river, which is, uh, you know, an hour and some change South, uh, from DC. So I drove down there and on my way back, I was, headed back up to D.C. to go back to work. And uh, this hatchback cuts me off um, just out of nowhere. And on the back of it, it said, uh, MUFON, find us on Facebook. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't do Facebook. That's why I didn't see this when I looked last night. And uh, just then we were passing this uh, a Hobby Lobby. Um, which is like a hobby arts and crafts store. And I had never actually seen a physical store of Hobby Lobby before, but I knew it was all over the news with, you know, this uh, Supreme Court decision that was made concerning Hobby Lobby. So, you know, I kind of made a note of it because it stood out in my mind. And uh, I went home uh, or I went back to work and then I went home. So late at night, I'm getting ready for bed. I, I, I had rented a room in somebody's house because this was just after I had arrived um, in Washington, D.C. So I was renting a room in someone's house and I had to walk in front of the TV and my roommate was sitting on the couch and he said, um, he said uh, he was watching CNN, you know, the talking heads and he's, he's a liberal, just kind of like I am. So he, um, he says, do you know what this is all about with these Republicans? And I said, no, what, you know, I'm kind of, I'm paused on the stairs, you know, talking to him. And, uh, he says, Hobby Lobby. And I was like, Hobby Lobby. And he says, he starts talking about how the Supreme court decision allowed, you know, dirty money into campaigns, blah, blah, blah. So I talked with him for a few minutes about that. And then I went up to my room and I shut the door and I thought to myself, you know, this kind of seems like a day of coincidences, you know? Yeah. Uh, last night I had been looking at that MUFON stuff and that car cut me off just as I'm, I see this Hobby Lobby. And then my roommate just mentioned that. And so I started to feel very uncomfortable. You know, um, my heart actually started pounding. It's kind of like the pounding you get when you have like a rush of adrenaline, but I didn't feel any adrenaline. You know, so I yep. thought maybe this is my, maybe this is my medical condition coming back, and maybe I'm going to die or something. So maybe I should sit down. <laughs> yeah. 
so I, I sat down for a, a bit and I thought maybe this was to the side if I just kind of calmed down and it didn't. Uh, in fact, I started to feel this intense urge to, um, get in my car and drive. And I thought, you know, I've never, I've never felt the urge to drive before to get in my car and drive, Yeah, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's not a common so I thought it was a little, yeah, I thought this is strange, you know? So I thought, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'll get in my car and go drive and I'll see that there's nothing to this, you know? So I get in my car and I pull out to the three point turn. I'm, I back into the first point of the three point turn. And I started thinking, I, I stopped and I thought, you know, I, I can't do this. I, cause it, it, it's like near midnight. Um, and if I keep going on these wild goose chases, this is, I'm going to find myself in a straitjacket before long, you know? So I thought to myself, I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to pull back in and just forget this whole crazy thing. Um, and I thought, you know, you've been reading these books about this paranormal stuff and it's getting to you, mm. you know, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to pull in and forget about it. And just then I felt, um, one of the most uncomfortable sensations I've ever felt in my entire life. Uh, I felt as though I had been attached to a light switch. Right. And I felt this electric shock just shoot through my body. And I could feel, you know, that buzzing sensation you get when you touch a live electrical wire. Uh, I felt that through my entire body. And I, I noticed it more acutely in my toenail beds. Hmm. Um, they, it, could, it kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> so as I'm feeling this buzzing, my hands are turning the steering wheel towards the road and my foot is stepping on the accelerator and I did not do that. Yes. You know, so you're not feeling like you're even controlling the vehicle at that point. Or, right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So or, I mean, or like your body for, 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 for actually you're not controlling your own like foot and hand and stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, um, so, you know, I, the, the, the buzzing stopped just as suddenly as it came on, uh, like someone had just flipped the switch off. And my car is drifting towards the road and I slammed on the brakes, you know, and I thought, okay, now I know that none of this is in my head. Mm. Uh, so, cause I, you know, I've, I've been able to induce a lot of feelings in myself, but never the feeling of being electrocuted, Yeah, you know? So, uh, I knew at this point, whatever was happening was not in my head. Um, and did you and feel like you was, were being directed to kind of go back to the road or did you just feel like, or did you not know like what was going on? Like, you know, like you, now you're feeling physical manifestations of things, not just, you know, psychological things, but did you feel like right. something was directing you? Yes. Yeah, I, I did very much. So, uh, I, I started to feel a sense of urgency now to drive, which wasn't there before. Uh, it started to become, quite urgent, you know? So I thought to myself, well, I don't want to get electrocuted again. So I'm just going to go, you know? And, and I had remembered reading in Jacques Vallée's books about people having this sensation before abduction experience. So I, you know, I thought, I don't know where I'm going, 
but I guess I'll drive back down to Pax River because that's where I was earlier. Um, so I start driving towards the freeway and I stopped at this gas station to pick up uh, a drink because I thought, I don't know how long this is going to take. This could be all night. You know, who knows? So when I stopped at this gas station, I started to feel all this emotion come back. And, uh, I, I got the sense that whatever had made me leave the house, whatever that purpose was, was going to happen right here at this gas station. And so I thought to myself, uh, you know, what is, what's going to happen here? Am I going to get shot here? Uh, is somebody going to die? Am I supposed to die here? What is going on? You know, and I, I was a mess emotionally at this point. Uh, it's still a little bit difficult to talk about now. Sure. Um, but so I am scanning the gas station to, you know, kind of figure out, well, what's going to happen. Uh, and then I see it right in front of me. I had parked right in front of it, um, across the parking lot. I was parked at the pump and there was a table outside and there were these two women eating with, an, uh, eating at this table with some guy. Right. And this guy was clearly homeless. And these women were dressed to the nines in like professional business attire. And so and, this and is like what, very, what time of night is this? So this is like, this is like in a bad part of town near mid, almost midnight. Yeah. You know, near, near the freeway. Yeah. Uh, so this shouldn't have been happening. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, these two women looked like they were about to go brief Congress. They looked like the women that I work with, the civilian females, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, okay, well, yeah, like that would have been, that would have been a weird sight at three in the afternoon, never mind at midnight. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was, the, the place was just filthy. There was, uh, napkins blowing across and garbage blowing across the parking lot, you know, and here these two women dressed like this are sitting with a homeless man eating and it's just bizarre, you know? So, um, this feeling washes over me that I'm supposed to hear what they're talking about. And I thought, well, this is weird. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm terrified. And I hear this voice in my head um, very forcefully and kind of angrily says, get out. So, um, so I, I got out of the truck and, um, you know, I'm making my way across the parking lot. And, uh, you know, my legs are like wet noodles at this point. And I'm like fighting back tears. I'm trying not to look like the mess that I am at this point. Um, so I get closer and I can see, you know, more detail, this guy, he's absolutely filthy. Um, and he's got grass in his hair and one of the women lifts up her hand and I could see that she's got a diamond tennis bracelet on. Uh, and she points at the homeless man and she says, you see, she said, there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. She said, I never sit at places like this, but something told me to sit here tonight. And with that, I kind of entered the store and I was like, no way. 
<laughs> you know, no, no way did that just happen. Um, so I mean, that was, that was it. That was, yeah. and then I started thinking about all the coincidences and how they had led me and how this book, the Kabbalion stated exactly that, that there's no such thing as coincidence. And, uh, I thought, well, I'm supposed to read this book. So, uh, I started reading it the next morning. Um, and, uh, you know, at first I, I was kind of hesitant to read this book, but, uh, you know, seeing as how everything I had been through up to that point and this very paranormal way that this book came to me, I thought, well, there's gotta be some reason I've got to read this. So, so I read it and, uh, you know, to my surprise, there was a lot in that book that made a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and it talks about like seven universal principles, uh, the principle of mentalism. And it talks, one of the things that it talks about is how uh, you can think of the universe as a mental creation. And that uh, there's only a singular consciousness and we are all extensions of that singular consciousness and you know in reading that i thought to myself how could you know that you know how 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 could you know that or even prove that ever yeah you know that's kind of a bold statement to make to say that this is the true nature of the universe um so i found it i found that there was some truth into in, in it but you know in knowing how it came to me how this book came to me i thought i can't deny that you know, that the universe is that, because uh, why else would this book have come to me in this way? You know, sure, yeah. <laughs> because it was, it was almost impossible to think about how the, the series of events that would have had to have happened to bring this book into my hand. Uh, and it must've been very purposeful. Yeah. And well, so, like, you know, being yeah. an atheist, it came up, right. the, the book came up and then you dismissed it. And then you were like almost forced in to, to, to really be like, something was forcing you to be like, no, you need to read this. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, it was like the universe was saying, no, really, yeah. you're going to read this book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. So after that, I thought, you know, well, okay, if this is some kind of learning experience, then I'm open to learning, you know, and I thought, okay, so I'm ready for more experiences from which I can learn. And, um, of course nothing could have been farther from the truth because <laughs> I was in, I was in no way prepared for the events that happened next. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, uh, so you got the book, go so you, you started reading the Kabbalion mm -hmm. and then, um, and then, you know, uh, I think where we left off, you were saying like, well, how, how would you even, you know, the broad claims of like kind of universal consciousness and stuff. Um, and then, uh, I think then we kind of got sidetracked. So what happened after that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I you know, I told myself, okay, I'm, I'm ready yeah. for more experiences from which I can learn. I had read the Kabbalion several times and I thought, yeah, I've got that down, you know? And so, uh, you know, I, I was laying in bed one night. And, uh, after I had said that I was ready for more <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I, I wake up because I feel somebody grab my arm on my right arm. Uh, and 
I opened my eyes. I was in my room. Um, I'm looking at the window off to the left. And all of a sudden, you know, the trim around the window and my room is starting to go slightly blurry. So I went to go raise my hands to my face to kind of wipe the sleep out of my eyes. And I noticed that I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I woke up because somebody grabbed my arm and I can still feel that hand on my arm. So I kind of, you know, fought to turn my head to the right to see who was standing there. And I thought, and I even thought at a time, you know, I should be terrified because it's the middle of the night and somebody's in my room and they're touching me. Uh, but I'm not scared for some reason. So I turn my head to the right and I see this, you know, shadow figure standing over me, uh, and it's looking into my face. Um, all I can see is like the black shadowy outline of like a torso, two arms and a head. And, uh, all of a sudden as I'm watching this, uh, my room starts to light up in this golden light uh, that seems to be coming from the back of this entity standing over me. And uh, the light becomes blinding and then it concentrates into these rays of golden light coming out of its head. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what is going on? Yeah. You know? And, and then all of a sudden this screen appears over the face of this entity in front of me. And it's, it's almost like there was a tablet in front of its face and it starts shifting through photographs of people that I know. Um, and then it stops on a photograph of an ex of mine from 20 years ago. And, uh, and then I start to lose consciousness as I feel this being crawl into my bed. Um, so I then start to have this sexual dream with me and my ex from 20 years ago. Uh, it was a strange dream uh, because there was no environment. You know, it was me and my ex and we were surrounded by nothing, absolutely nothing but black, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I started to think, you know, this feels really real, like it's really happening. And then I start to open my eyes and I'm back in my room and I can see that there is a female. She is sitting on top of me. And, uh, she has blue skin and, uh, my hands are on her thighs and I can feel her skin is not, it doesn't feel like normal skin. It's much thicker, uh, and, and tighter and smoother, uh, than human skin would normally be. Um, and so I start to try and look up towards her face and it, it's just blurred out. I'm I'm not able to see her face, but I can see her body there. Um, and so I'm in and out of this state several times, in, back into my dream state and then back into my room where I can see her. Uh, I mean, I could even see the top that she was wearing. It looked like a kind of a tube top that was made out of like this metallic, I, I don't even know. I mean, I describe it as like maybe being made out of some kind of precious metal because of the way it glistened yeah. in the light. Um, but I, I, I honestly don't know what it was made out of, uh, but it wasn't like anything I had ever seen. Um, and I thought to myself, as this was happening, I thought, 
I can't believe this is happening. And I even had the thought that there must be some kind of craft parked in the backyard right now, you know, that she had arrived in. Um, so, you know, I, I, then, you know, I'm in and out of this dream state. I wake up the next morning and, um, I'm just thinking to myself, as as soon as I opened my eyes, I was like, what was that? You know, what just happened? Um, so I go down to my truck and I light a cigarette and I start like dry heaving because I start to think, you know, what does this mean? You know, now, uh, that, you know, at no point did I think that I was crazy or losing my mind. Uh, because of course I had been present for this whole gimbal event. I knew that this stuff was real now. Um, so I, I, I knew that this was something that was actually happening. Uh, you know, and one of the weird things, I'm not even sure if I put this in the book, but a few nights before that, I, I woke up to the sound of like some breaking glass downstairs and my roommate's dog just barking her head off and then running out, out the back door. And I, I was like, what, you know, what's going on? And then my roommate texts me from his room downstairs and he says that he woke up and he saw someone standing on the back porch where his bedroom is. Yeah. And that he woke up cause Velcro, his dog started barking at her at this per- person on the, on the back porch and that he went to go turn his lamp on and he hit it and it fell over on the floor and broke and shattered. And that was all the noise that I had heard. And then he let her out the back door to go chase whatever this was. And, you know, he was saying to me, you know, that this was a person on the back porch. And I said, no, I think it was one of those deers. It's always hopping the fence. You know, that's probably what you saw. But, uh, you know, in light of what happened to me, I don't think that's what happened. Yeah. You know? So, um, so there was that, I I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew that this was, this was really happening now. And I, I didn't know what it meant, you know, cause I, I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to understand this and I was just basically raped, you know, and, and what is that? You know, that's just, <laughs> that's nonsense. It's garbage, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I felt kind of violated, um, obviously, but, uh, and I thought, you know, all this stuff, people talking about alien hybrids, is that real? You know? Uh, and then I started to think about, you know, what are the implications for that? Is it, are we like a freaking slave race or mm-hmm. something like that? What is going on here? You know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was the end of that experience. Um, and I, I kind of kept it to myself. Um, until things started to just kind of <laughs> just really spiral out of control. Um, so what, after that, like, like, what's the time frame of all this stuff? Like, you know what I mean? Is it, is this like over weeks or months or like a year? So these two incidences happened within weeks of each other. Yeah. Um, it was, it was pretty successive. And then everything after that was successive. You know, this all started. This whole thing with the Kabbalion um, started when that article was released in the New York Times, and that was December of 2017. So this stuff went 
on through like August of 2018. Yeah. Um, and then that was the length of everything that happened in the book. Um, so, you know, I started to then have constant nightmares, um, all the time. Every time I went to sleep, I would have some just awful, horrible nightmare. Uh, and it was always just like people being chopped up with chainsaws or, you know, my parents being murdered with an ax right in front of me. Uh, you know, just crazy, crazy dreams. And, uh, I would wake up, you know, just covered in sweat. Uh, there was, I, I can remember several times where I woke up and it was, it was as though I had been standing in the shower. You know, my, I could have wrung my shirt out in the sink. Yeah. It was, uh, so that was happening a lot. And, and so I, I kind of had this breaking point where I, you know, and I had this nighttime paranoia, constant nighttime paranoia. I began sleeping with my lights on, um, because I could not bring myself to be in a dark room, you know? Uh, because who knew what was going to happen in that dark room, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. you know, I, cause I, cause I had this experience, with this blue female and I, you know, I'm, there's no way I'm turning the lights off again. Uh, so I was not sleeping. Uh, there were nights that I would stay up all night long and just sit on the edge of my bed because I could not stand the thought of having another nightmare. I couldn't do it. And, um, I started to do this, this just heavy, awful depression just set in, you know, and I, I would start to come home from work and all I could do was just come home and lay on the floor in my bedroom, uh, like shivering and crying and like my teeth are chattering and it was just uncontrollable, you know? So, you know, I, I reached this breaking point where I had to talk to somebody about it. So I, I called my brother. And, um, and, um, I started to talk to him about it. And he, I was, I was a little shocked by his reaction, you know, because I told him about the blue female and he, he was like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. You know, <laughs> as, as a brother will do. DNA, yeah. yeah. He's like, your DNA is in space right now. And, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and, and of course that was no comfort to me at this time, yeah, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, I was experiencing all kinds of paranormal things. There was, uh, I, I would wake up sometimes to the, the sound of a woman just, screaming as though she's being murdered in the house, you know, and there's no female in the house, but I would wake up to this. Um, so, you know, all of this stuff was just very unsettling, uh, banging on the walls in the middle of the night, footsteps. Uh, it was at one point I went out to my truck in the middle of the day and I thought, you know, I'm just going to call a friend of mine and I'm going to talk. We're going to talk about anything, but this, I just want to talk about, I want something to take my mind off of this. And so I'm standing there and the phone is ringing and he's not answering. And, uh, I feel someone push on my cell phone with, with 
such force from behind me that I almost dropped it. And so I, you know, got a tighter grip on it and I turned around expecting to see my roommate there and there was no one there. Um, nobody. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't even anybody walking down the road. So, you know, I ran inside the house in a panic. Uh, and then I came back down to my truck later that night to call my brother. And as I was sitting in my truck, I felt that again, uh, where someone pushed on my cell phone with such force that I almost dropped it. But of course there was no room behind me for anyone to be in the cab with me, uh, behind me. So I, I didn't even bother to turn around. I knew what it was, you know? Um, so yeah, there was, it, it just got nuts. Um, and, uh, so I, my brother in talking to him, he says, you know, this can't be the truth of this. There's got to be something you're missing. They didn't, this exotic technology does not exist so they can come down here and scare the bejesus out of you. You know, there's got to be more to it than this. And so I, you know, he kind of brought me back to reality and I thought, you know what, you're right. Um, And I started thinking about that light show uh, that I had seen in my room with the rays of light coming out of her head. And I thought to myself, you know, that looks like religious art from all over the world. Yeah. You know, there's that you have some deity or something that's pictured and there's uh the halo or these rays of gold extending from the head. Uh and so I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot more going on here than I currently understand and I need to understand it. So I, I looked into who wrote the Kabbalion. And it turns out the guy, one of the authors, it's it's called the Kabbalion by Three initiates. Three initiates, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so one of the authors was a guy named William Walker Atkinson, and he wrote like 105 books. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, let's dig into these books then and see what this is all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I started reading these books, and, and, and he published books by other authors, like uh, a woman named Mabel Collins. And uh, they all talked about this initiatory experience and I thought to myself you know is that what's happening here am I in this process I don't even know you know and 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 in a lot of these books they're talking about you know there comes upon the soul a great storm and then after that storm there's the calm that follows the storm and and I I didn't really understand where all of that was going Mm. you know uh, and so one day I get the urge to, uh, look into mechanization just out of nowhere. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at videos on YouTube of like robots that are doing all kinds of crazy things, backflips, catching boxes, putting boxes on shelves, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, this is pretty amazing stuff. We could mechanize everything and nobody would ever have to work again. You know, and I, and I thought I started to think that maybe that's the path that they were leading me down. That maybe I'm supposed to realize that that's what we're supposed to do. And so I'm looking into this mechanization, you know, for like a month. And uh, I had gone down to uh, Virginia to check on a few rental properties that I own down there. Uh, 
And as I arrived, I was taking my stuff out of the truck and bringing it into uh, my house down there. And uh, I see this craft like on the horizon, you know, and, and it's just floating across the horizon. And it's like this egg shaped kind of thing. And it's, uh, it's got like this brownish, copperish tinge to it. And I, you know, I reached to my pocket. I didn't have my cell phone. I had left it inside. And I knew that by the time I went inside and got it, this thing would be gone, you know? So I thought to myself, you know, they followed me down here from DC and they wanted me to know that they had followed me down here. And I thought that's, that's pretty weird, you know? So, uh, I wake up the next morning and I go to turn on my cell phone and it's not working. Uh, then I turned on my, uh, e-reader. It's not working. I went to go to my laptop. It's not working. And then I realized all these things are linked and I've caught a virus and, and all of my devices are now destroyed because of this virus. And I, I became livid. I was very angry. Uh, not because my devices had been destroyed, but because somebody had created a virus specifically just to destroy sure. electronics, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like what's the and then I started, <laughs> yeah. And then I started to think to myself, well, we can't mechanize everything because all of this stuff has to be linked through AI and viruses can travel through that stuff. And anybody who wants to create a virus could shut everything down, yeah. you know? And so I was. Well, worse, they could they, could they could corrupt the AI to do wacky things, or you know, or whatever. Yeah, there's a, not just a virus that shuts yeah. shit down. There's a there's a, a whole plethora of things that could be done that would be malicious and and and, uh, and uh, you know with with bad intent. Yeah, and so I started. I just got very angry, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't know what I've been roped into here, but yeah. we can't do that. The human race can't do this whatever you're trying to tell me we have to do, you know? So I, yeah, I, I was, you know, I was emotional because of everything that had been happening. I hadn't been sleeping. Uh, I, the night terrors, everything, it was all just becoming too much. And so I, you know, I had this temper tantrum and I, (laughs) I grabbed my electronics and I just smashed them on the steps of my house there in Portsmouth, Virginia. And, uh, some friends of mine were there and they watched this and with horror (laughs) and uh, I threw my stuff in the truck and I drove back to DC and I said, you know, write to me if you want to contact me. Uh, And I drove back to DC and I, I was just so angry, you know, and I, I remember just like pounding on a steering wheel and I was like, you know, leave me alone. I don't, I don't know what all this is about, but I'm tired, you know, I'm just tired. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, I forget this, forget all of it, forget these books. I'm going to, I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw all of this stuff in the garbage and I'm going to forget about it because this is worthless. You know, whatever, whatever they want us to do, we can't do it as humans. We're just not there yet, you know? So... I went to bed that night. I hadn't thrown, I got, I got back to DC late. Um, and I went to bed and I hadn't thrown the books away. I was like, I'll do it. In the morning. 
first thing in the morning. So anyway, I, I go to sleep and then I start to wake up and I can feel that familiar heavy feeling that I always feel when they're around where you're paralyzed. And I was just immediately pissed. You know, yeah, I was, yeah. I was angry. And, uh, so my room starts to come into focus and I'm looking to see what, what's going to happen and what's in front of me. And there's this, uh, small man standing there. Um, he looked kind of like a yard gnome, hmm. uh, is the only way I can really describe him. Like that size? Uh, uh he was a little bit taller. So I, I was looking across my nightstand and I could see his head poking up above my nightstand and I could see that he had like a locked white beard and, and locked white hair. And, uh, he looked very clean and he was wearing these thick, dark glasses that were just black, you know, and I could see that there was some kind of a red, like a red glow, uh, within the center of these glasses where I could kind of see through it. And I saw like a little bit of the side of his nose through, through the lens. But, um, I mean, obviously that was some kind of technology I, what it does. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, so I'm looking at him. Um, and then he says to me, don't give up, keep going. And then he puts me back to sleep. And as I'm falling back asleep, I have a few choice words for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know, he's got to know something I don't know. Um, maybe he knows something that I'll never know. I don't know. I said, but I... I obviously have to keep going with this, whatever it is. Um, and, um, and so I did, I, I kept the books. Uh, I, I kept myself isolated as I had been doing. Uh, cause I kind of, I, I kind of, when these things started, I was like, okay, I, I'm turning off my TV. I'm not going to have any distractions. I'm going to figure this out, you know? So I, I spent a lot of time just in my room. Um, just me and my journal. Yeah. And all those books that you were reading. And... Okay. okay. Sorry. We had a, we had a glitch and we, the, the call got dropped, but you were talking about, um, like the last thing I heard you were saying, you, you, you know, you had been kind of thinking about all this stuff and not watching TV and kind of just, you know, there with your books and kind of trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was reading these books trying to figure everything out. Um, and, uh, you know, towards the end of the, the experiences, I, I, I started to feel a little bit better. You know, the, 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 the this deep depression that I had started to lift a little bit. And this was, you know, heading into spring. Um, and I had been reading this book called uh, A Series of Lessons in Raha Yoga. And, uh, and it has these mantras, you know, that you repeat um, and, and you meditate on. And so <laughs> um, I, I started to feel better. And I, 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 again, I was starting to think to myself one day as I was driving home, you know, what, what's all this about? You know, yeah. 
And then uh, I heard this voice, kind of like the voice that told me to um, get my truck. And it said, um, you're to act as a shepherd of men. And, you know, when I heard that, I was just like, no. I, I was like, that's that's a little too Christianity for my liking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not a religious person and I did not like the religious undertone of that. And I said, so what do you mean? And, uh, the voice said, well, there's not much time. And I said, what do you mean? There's not much time. And then at that moment I was instantly just kind of, and this is while I'm driving down the freeway in the middle of the day. Yeah. Uh, I found myself suddenly, it was nighttime, you know, or evening, and I'm driving through an intersection, and there's all these, like, police lights everywhere, and it's almost like someone's chasing me or something, I don't know, but I'm going through this intersection, and then uh, I see this car coming at me, and it's about to T-bone me, uh, and then it's, like, in slow motion, right? All of a sudden, I can feel like the breaking glass hitting my face. Uh, and I can see the front end of this car just like ripping through the cab coming at me. Uh, and, um, and you know, I, I'm like watching this happen in slow motion and all of a sudden it happens and it's over. And then, then I'm back in my truck driving down the freeway (laughs) right where we left off. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I should have had some kind of maybe reaction to that kind of terror about, I've just seen my death, you know? And, um, I didn't, I, I had no reaction to that whatsoever. I didn't really care. Um, and, um, you know, as I'm exiting the freeway, all of a sudden I get hit with this wall of just emotion and it wasn't mine. And I, it was, it was the oddest thing I've ever felt, you know, and all of a sudden I noticed, you know, I can feel the trees. I can feel the grass around me. I can feel the other drivers on the road. I I have this sense of them, you know, and I can experience them and their emotions and I can feel that, you know, and it was, it was kind of disorienting. Um, and as I drove home, it gradually subsided. Um, and I thought to myself, well, that's it. You know, that, that kind of proves this to me, that there's this singular consciousness and you can experience the world around you as though it is a part of you. Um, and, and that's what I had just experienced, you know. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I continued to isolate myself. I continued to just be emotional constantly. Um, and then I reached a phase of that, which was much more stable. And then I began to experience that all the time. You know, I could feel emotions of people around me. All the tension had left my body. Uh, and, and it was like, I, I knew immediately what it was. You know, in the East, they describe it as like nirvana or being one with God. Uh, and 
and that's that's just what it was. I mean, I, I could experience the world around me as though it was me. You know, I kind of had an idea of what people were going to say approaching me before they even said it. Uh, and and that was to me the ultimate proof to be able to experience that for yourself. You know, and so you know, I I put down this book uh, Raha Yoga that I I had been reading to just experience the world around me in this way, you know, and it was, it was just the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I, I could sense like these universal forces at work that I didn't know even existed. I could feel them, you know, and it was like, I felt like I was standing in a bubble and I could feel like all of this emotion and just, badness just flying through the air all around me and just whipping everywhere and acting on people and things around me. But I was just in this bubble and I could kind of almost see it and sense it, but it wasn't interacting with me anymore, you know? Uh, and so that was just crazy. Um, I, I found that, you know, I could do these just crazy things <laughs> at this time. Like I, uh, in one instance, my, my roommate's dog, she had gotten into a fight with, uh, with a groundhog and, uh, it had taken a chunk of her ear and my roommate in a panic, you know, he's trying to get the bleeding to stop and it's not stopping and so he grabs some silver nitrate and he tells me hold her down you know this is going to burn like hell uh and so you know i started to think back on you know some of the things that uh, have been reported about these beings doing you know how they can just put someone to sleep and i had experienced that myself and so i thought why can't i put her to sleep and then she won't feel anything <laughs> and I know that this sounds crazy, but so I started to imagine that heaviness that I would feel when they were around that paralysis. And I started to imagine that like going through my hands into her head because I was holding her head and um, my hands just got really hot. They were red and I, she was starting to snore. And uh, she was totally asleep. And so he's putting the silver nitrate on there. He's like, this is going to burn like hell, hold her down. And, you know, <laughs> and she didn't have any reaction to it. He was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. She didn't react to that at all, you know. And and then I kind of woke her back up and uh, she just went on about her day. She was fine. Um, and so, you know, things like that happened. I, at one point, and I don't, I don't know how I did these things. I can't explain them scientifically, but I know that they are factual and that they can't be done. Um, but you know, someone had come to me one day at work and told me something that he shouldn't have known about someone. And I said, well, how do you know that? You know? And you know, he got kind of smug and he says, well, you know, a, a little birdie told me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, who told you? You know, and then I looked at him with the intent of getting the answer. 
And then all of a sudden, like in my own mind, instantly, I had that conversation, a memory of it, and who he had had it with. And <laughs> and so I knew that, you know, I knew it. And I knew that, in fact, he had just come from that conversation because he was wearing the same thing, you know. So, um, so you had his memory of that conversation? like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that was weird. Uh, but, you know, I, I came to realize that these things are just, all of this is just a natural aspect of the universe. You know, we don't need to be afraid of that. Um, and that you can kind of know that for yourself. I mean, I had, there were other experiences I had with like dead people in dreams. Um, one experience was, and this was later on, much later on when I started writing the book. Um, I had, uh, I had a dream where this guy was sitting across from me. He was an elderly gentleman. Uh, kind of stocky. He had this deep voice, and he was like surrounded by this slightly white glow. And he was teaching me about human psychology. And uh, he was telling me, you know, that um, people can know something subconsciously without knowing it consciously. And that when they have this type of experience, they they will call it like intuition, right? And they, uh, and, it, and it just causes this impression on their waking life. But that once you go through this experience, that intuition becomes a knowing rather than just an impression on your waking life, if that makes any sense. And so, uh, as I woke from this dream, I heard the name Robert Moore being repeated over and over again in my head. So I wrote down his name and, um, I decided to look and see if he had written any books and sure enough, he did. Um, and I was reading this book that he wrote called the archetype of initiation. And it was then that kind of the totality of my experiences, uh, I kind of put everything together. You know, that's why I, I, in reading this book, I was like, that's why the Kabbalion was written by the three initiates. You know, this is an initiation. And everything in this book spoke to that. And I put this book down one day and on his, on the back cover was a picture of Robert Moore. And I looked at that picture and I was like, that is the guy from my dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I, I looked him up and he, passed away about a year before my experiences began. And so I had had some contact with him in this dream. Um, and his, all of his books, of course, touch on um, the psychology of this whole process and how that works. Um, and so I included that in a chapter uh, of psychology in my book. Yeah. Yeah, and and did you know the? Do you can you still like do you still have those like experiences like where you feel like you could do things like that like you know with the dog and stuff like or is, did that pass you know like? Um, well, so 
Or yeah, like, yeah, like, I, are, I, like you still having these types of experiences or did it kind of like run its course and pass? Um, so I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. So at the time I had, I had put a, a put down this book, Raha Yoga, right? Yeah, yep. And, um, so this, this connection I had to everything was so powerful yeah. that I felt like I could almost see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so one day that shut off. I, I knew it instantly when it shut off. I felt it like immediately in my shoulders. All of a sudden my shoulders slumped, you know, and I was a little bit more heavy. Yeah. Uh, I felt it in my back. My posture had changed uh, instantly. I knew it. Uh, and so I was kind of devastated by that. I was like, what? Why did that shut off? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, so I went back to this book, Raha Yoga. And um, it talks about how, so, so he had written his book as a, uh, as a class, right? He would send the chapters out to his students. Um, and this is like early 1900. Uh, he would send them through the mail and the, the students were writing letters back to him about what they were experiencing and doing these mantras and meditation. And in the last three chapters where I had stopped, he goes off on a tangent. Um, that is outside the normal course of the book. And he says, you know, we've been getting a lot of letters from students talking about the pain they're experiencing. And he said, you know, and he goes off on this tangent about how this pain you're experiencing when it becomes the most acute, then be cheered that you've reached the crisis of your new spiritual birth. And that this is... Um, this is just you moving from one plane of existence to a higher plane of existence on which you will play a much, uh, much more heavy role, you know? Yeah. And I thought, no way, you know, cause that, that is exactly what had happened to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and Mabel Collins talks about the calm that follows the storm. And then she also says, you know, that this calm will only last a certain time it'll only last a little while and then it'll stop. Uh, and so, you know, for the most part, those abilities have shut off, but I, in realizing what consciousness is now, when things happen to me, I can kind of follow those in a stream of consciousness and it will lead me to where I need to go. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of give you an example of that. Uh, so I had, uh, it, what, what hasn't shut off though, is this voice in my head that I hear sometimes. Um, and it, it'll give me the names of authors to read. Um, and you know, it, I, I, I'll find myself sometimes wanting to look into something. I feel the urge to look at something, right? So I'll pull it up and, uh, and eventually, if I follow that, it will lead me to something that I had been wondering about. And then I'm like, oh, this is the answer, you know? And um, so that that is how I did a lot of the research for my book. Yeah. Um, and, and just being led by consciousness to certain things. And one, one of the things that I was led to was um, this idea of the Greek mysteries. 
and, and what all of that was. And the Greek mysteries were the experience that was kind of central to the ancient Greek religion, right? It was, it was the central experience, religious experience. Um, and they called them the mysteries. And initiates into these mysteries uh, would would go through just that. It was an initiation process. And at the end of that, initiates were said to be unafraid of death at the end, right? So they they had some awareness now that there's no such thing as death, and they were okay with that. And um, I started reading accounts of the mysteries, and one of the things, Plutarch, who was a, uh, a priest at the Temple of Delphi, left an account of the mysteries and what they were. And one of the things he says is that, you know, the, these initiates are led through these winding, never-ending passages, and they, they take this journey to an invisible end. Um, and then all, and then gradually light is restored, and then at the side of pure and holy men, they experience the festival of rebirth. And so then I started thinking, well, that sounds like a lot of what I had been through. And he talks about how they, the, the initiates, they, 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 they confront fear and they experience shuddering and crying and wailing and everything else. And so I thought, you know, this is, this is exactly what I went through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then I started looking into that and then, you know, I had known about Joseph Campbell and his whole idea of, you know, the hero's journey, um, and about how the hero goes through this cycle of a kind of like a death and then a resurrection. And then I started noticing, well, all religions kind of have this death and resurrection mythology. And I started to apply that to my own experience in that, you know, within this, you just kind of have to die to certain aspects of yourself, right? So, so I, I was very afraid, you know, at one point. Yeah. And I kind of just got rid of that because you, you can only take so much, you know, before you reach a point where you just shut it off and you say, I this has been going on for so long. I I could live the rest of my life in terror or I could just not be afraid anymore. And so that's what you do. You know, you just kind of get rid of those things in the psyche. Um, and, and you decide that you're not going to be afraid anymore. And that's, that's really when things changed for me, uh, when I decided to shut off that fear, uh, because I had just had enough, you know, and ultimately, these kinds of transformative experiences that we have as humans, um, when we change our mind about something, you know, or, or we decide to do something new and take, take a, different, a different approach, ultimately those things arise from a place of exhaustion, you know. Uh, we, we get tired of being afraid or we get tired of being angry or being mad all the time. And we just say enough is enough and we, we shut it off. And it was in all of that, that I, you know, I realized that psychologically speaking, um, really you're only a victim of something to the extent that you want to be, 
Um, and I know that that's, that might sound a little cold and callous, but uh, it's the truth. I mean, y- you don't have to be a victim yeah. if you don't want to. You know, you don't have to view yourself as a victim. Uh, and it doesn't matter if other people around you view you that way. Uh, it, it, what matters is how you feel about it personally. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, and um, just this is, I don't know, a question I have. Now, having gone through this and and gone through these experiences and coming out on the other side and, and knowing the things that you know now, these things that have talked to you, like, you know, whether you've seen the gimbal footage or like, you know, waking up, you know, with some, from sleep paralysis and seeing some kind of like shadow person that's emanating light or the, or the blue skinned female, things like that. What do you think these things are? Like, is this, you know, cause you know, so many people have different ideas about things. They're like, Oh, it's UFO. I, I mean, it's extraterrestrials from other planets or it's a, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, interdimensional being, or, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, if someone's, going through the terror part of it, they might think it's something more demonic, you know, your sense of what this is, or is this just something like, you know, when you get into universal conscious, is this you telling your stuff and, and, and pushing yourself along the path that you need to be on? Like, just be curious to think, see what you think, you know, like from your experience, wh- what do you think these things are that are, that are kind of pushing you and leading you on the way? Um, you know, I, I've been asked that a few times and you know, from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know this kind of universal consciousness and doesn't know that to be the truth for themselves, they might, they might look at this and say, you know, these are aliens or extraterrestrials and that might be how they would describe them. Um, but you know, obviously, um, in light of my experiences, they've been called all kinds of things, you know, demons, uh, angels, the gods, yeah, um, non-human intelligence, whatever. Yeah, this, this is a, this yeah, a, yeah. And so you know, and and now you uh, you have people talking about interdimensionality and things like that. But you know, in in terms of me and my perspective on it now, after having gone through this, I don't view them as being any different than myself or than you, I think the, the, it's kind of hard to explain, but if you know that the universe is a singular consciousness, then everything you see and everything you experience is an aspect of yourself. Right. And so that's kind of how I view them. I don't view them as being separate from myself any more than I view you as being separate from me. Um, and I, that's just the way I kind of think about it now. Yeah. And I, I think it's important. A lot of people, you know, with this kind of thing, there, there's, there's a, a tendency to want to put things in boxes, Yeah, you know, to say that this is what this is. And then, but, but in doing that, you automatically limit it to that box. Yeah. You put, you it, know? In, put it in a, in, you, you almost put blinders on to just to, to only limit it to view that box and what's in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so with, with them and with these crafts and stuff like that, you, I, I would encourage people to not do that. You know, don't put it in this nice, neat 
little box. It is, it is all of the above, you know, it's been here a long time. This presence, uh, it's always been here in fact. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of would speculate that possibly we aren't even the first humans anyway, aren't even the first race to come off this planet. And that maybe this is just, you know, a nursery, the earth. Mm. And, it, and it's a nursery to raise consciousness. Um, so you're, you're, you're making beings that are conscious and more aware and you're kind of bringing them up to that up to your up to their level um where they are in terms of consciousness and that's and i think that's the trajectory and the path that we're on yeah. um and, and i know that 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 might be kind of difficult for people to accept <laughs> but i i think that that's probably closer to the truth than anything else so do, do you think that's what that message was for you that you're supposed to be like a shepherd of man and kind of communicate this stuff with people to help other people along that path or to at least get them thinking towards that or like being aware of that is even an option or like as something that's out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and not only that, but you know, I, at the end of this experience, you know, I wanted to know what not only, not only did I want to understand what was happening, but I, I wanted to know why, how, you know, I wanted to understand everything about it. And so I was kind of just through consciousness, I was led through that, you know, into, uh, union psychology, um, into, uh, how psychedelics play into this and how they've always been used in this experience. Yeah. And there's, um, there's evidence of that even among like in the, in the Greeks with, uh, they were, I forgot what the exact psychedelic was, but they found trace elements of something that was made out of like a fungus or something, uh, in a wine. Yeah. And, uh, they feel like that was part of some of like, uh, certain initiation rituals. Um, yeah. And, and, and they, they, uh, there's a belief because at the temple to Demeter, which was where, the, the the main mystery would happen. It was called the Eleusinian mystery. It was in Eleusis, Greece, <laughs> and uh, that that was where they found content in in vessels and stuff of this psychedelic drug. Yeah. Um. And so they they think that that played a role in it. And I I, I tend to agree with that. Um. Because if you know one of the things that I've looked at is I, I've kind of looked at the science of the psychedelic and the involvement in that. Um, and that was something that I wondered about for quite a long time. Um, and through consciousness, I was led to Timothy Leary's book um, called Flashbacks. It's his autobiography. And Timothy Leary, I'm not sure if people are familiar with it, but he was, the, he was a Harvard professor, and he started to do research on psychedelic drugs. Uh, he was a professor of psychology. And um, so he got heavy into that. Um, but the problem with Timothy Leary is that he decided that he would also take the doses himself. <laughs> and so that <laughs> kind of that kind of threw his reputation into the garbage because, you know, that's not how you do research. You don't you don't take the drugs yourself. <laughs> but he was doing that. Um, and so uh you know, in reading this book, I came across 
he had given these psychedelics to someone who had been through an experience like mine that had reached this point without using psychedelic drugs. And so what he said that this guy said, he's like, yeah, I, I already know this. This is, this is old hat to me when he started taking the drugs. He said, but this is a shortcut. You know, this isn't, you lack perspective when you do it this way. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I started looking at is that there are, you know, all kinds of ancient texts that talk about using these psychedelic drugs, but that you need to be careful because, um, because there isn't that perspective there. You have to provide that perspective as, an elder, right? You need to explain what you're, what these people are experiencing and, and to kind of pull them back from the edge when they go too far. Mm. Um, and so that, that, that was how ancient cultures always use this drug. They would, um, they would start the initiation process by giving them these psychedelic drugs. And then as the, as the initiation went on, uh, the initiate would enter this phase of like drug induced psychosis. Um, and, and I went through that psychosis. It wasn't drug induced, obviously, but, um, but that, that's how it happened. Um, and you can see evidence of that today, evidence of how that works today, because if you, there, there are different subs on Reddit. And if you go into the psychosis sub, you'll see people often posting about how they took LSD or they took mushrooms or psilocybin or something like that. Yeah. And that, uh, subsequently they had this drug induced psychosis that lasted for months. Right. Which is the exact experience that the ancients tried to uh, get people to go through. And which was the process that I went through, although not drug induced. Yeah. Um, and, and this, and it culminates and ends with you knowing for yourself, the true nature of the universe. Um, and, uh, I think that's pretty profound. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and there's also, um, and it's probably like you read when you were reading up on some of the, uh, like a lot of people get there through, um, not a lot of people, but there, there's a set, set subsets of people that try and get into those states through uh, meditation uh, as well. You know, they mm -hmm. can get into that same type of state. Um, psychedelic does seem to be kind of sometimes the shortcut, but with the shortcut, like with anything, like like I think what you, you're saying, you got to kind of warn people about is that, you know, like you said, you don't get the context or you don't have the guidance through it to really understand, you know, the, the whole of what's going on or to, to guide you to where you need to be so that there, there is kind of a, a danger there. And, and right now we're in a time where, you know, psychedelics are, are um, getting more and more traction in the news or like in the world and it's starting to get decriminalized or legalized and there's more and more research going on. And more and more people are getting open to it and susceptible to it, which, you know, could be a good thing, but, you know, you, you just got to kind of make sure that, you, you know, you, you're, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better terms and not to simplify it, but you're doing things right, you know, and, and yeah, uh, uh, because it could, that could be bad. But um, I feel like, you know, I've dabbled in it somewhat and 
you know, I've I've seen things and, and gone on some trips with the psilocybin. I've only messed with uh with 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 mushrooms, but at the end, you do come out of it kind of like better. I don't know how to explain it. Like 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 better mindset, better in your head if you go into it the right way. Um, you Ooh. know, there's some people that you know they're gonna use stuff and go out to a concert and be weird. And, you know, like the, like and, and and it's not to sound like hippie or woo woo things, but you also you kind of gotta treat this as like a, a sacred experience and and give it the proper respect. Or like I could see it being very bad if like you just go out and you walk around the city and some some weird stuff happens and like you, you you're around people and you're not in the right mindset or the right environment or the right context it, it could go bad i think you know and um yeah or you, you're not going to get out of it what you need but um yeah I, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with with uh with with psychedelics coming more to uh forefront it, it seems like you know with the decriminalization and kind of uh almost like destigmatization destigmatization of uh, marijuana like i think psychedelics are up next for that but you know the good thing is that there's a lot of research on psychedelics and like just showing some of the uh beneficial aspects of it for people with things like ptsd and whatnot this is kind of even just going away from kind of the whole spiritual or thing but um you know one of the things that a lot of people do talk about with, with psychedelics is it does bring you to more of a place of you know I don't know, for lack of a better word, like singularity or what you're talking about with, you know, universal conscious. And, and you know, it, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just a wide open thing. Um, there's definitely a lot going on in the world now where it seems like, you know, that is something where some people are, more and more people are getting pushed to. So, um, yeah, it's kind of yeah, an and, interesting and you, time. You, you had a, a guest on a previous episode that was on talking about psychedelics. And yeah. one of the things he said was he was talking about how psychedelics seem to help with um, a multitude and, and a whole range of different psychological ailments, Yeah, you know? And that was one of the reasons why I, in looking at the psychology of all of this, I decided to go back to school for psychology because I understand that um, all of these, you know, multitude of different um, psychological ailments that we classify and we talk about how, you know, bipolar disorder and this and that, uh, they are all, all of those things are related to this transformation in one way or another. Um, the, the question is how. Yeah. And, and what does it mean? And so that's, that's really my interest in going back to school. I want to figure out, you know, if somebody is bipolar, what does that mean in terms of this? Where, where are they on the path to this transformation? Because ultimately that's where all of these different ailments come from. Yeah. It is not going through this and not knowing. That. Oh, does, uh, it, does it seem like people just get like stuck somewhere and, and they, that's why they can't advance and, and that's why it looks like there's some kind of mental issue. Is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's absolutely what happens. I think that happens in a lot of abduction experiences. Uh, Whitley Strieber, I think is a perfect example of that, right? He, so he started having these experiences. My experience started and ended within a year. Yeah. Right. That's all, that's all it took. 
Um, but if you have things like fear and things like that that come into the picture and take over, this process can drag on for 20, 30 years, yeah. right? Uh, before you finally get so exhausted from it that you give up that fear or give up whatever it is you're hanging on to. And, you know, in, in Whitley Strieber's last book that he just released, it's called A New World, he says exactly that, you know, that uh, in the end, he's found this consciousness, this universal consciousness, and he realizes now that that's kind of what this was all about. Uh, and some people call it awakening. Um, there are all kinds of subs on Reddit dedicated to this. Uh, there's awakened, you know, soul nexus, people who have experienced this either through psychedelic drugs or on their own. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people look at my experiences and they want to say, well, you know, you were kind of led through it by these beings, you know, what makes you so special? <laughs> and I don't think, I, honestly, I don't view it that way. I, I, in, in, in a way I kind of feel sorry for myself because, uh, I, that, that's how I got here. You know, I needed all of this extra help um, in order to get to this point. Um, I, in other words, other people will just take some psychedelic drugs, they'll go through this, and then they'll arrive at the conclusion and be awakened and not ever have some kind of being standing over them saying, okay, now do this, you know. Um, but I, I, I needed that extra help. I couldn't just do this on my own. I needed that guidance. And, and so I think if anything, that makes me even less special, you know, uh, that they had to shepherd me through this and kind of drag me along. Um, whereas other people don't need that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, but you know, also, I don't know, there's something to be said about learning things. I don't, quote unquote the hard way you know like i think you get mm -hmm. more of a deeper understanding of things and in, in some of the shortcuts not not always but you know like um but um uh, but yeah i mean it, uh like your experience is more intense than you know a lot of other people's and some people don't even this never even comes into their frame of consciousness at all you know or their frame of reference at all um but you yeah. know i think one thing that this is just going back into like the minutia of regular world that people need to understand about you is that you know you quit your military career just a couple years before retirement to write this book and to get this out there whereas like so it's like you don't you know let's be let's be honest these types of books this isn't going to make you rich or a millionaire right it's and, and right, you, right if you had stayed in the military and and just for the last couple of years you could have had probably a really nice retirement with like monthly checks and like health care and stuff for the rest of your life and all these other things well you might still have some of those benefits but like you're probably not getting the same level of, of monthly check you know retirement check and stuff so it was like you gave up some of this stuff to be able to uh write your book and kind of get the word out that you, that you wanted to, you know, that you, the word that you wanted to get out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 this, I didn't actually even want to write this book to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I, I, once again, I felt like this urge to write the book, Yeah, you know, I, I was, I was feeling compelled to do it and I, it wasn't relenting. So I thought, well, okay, I'll write the book. 
But then it came time, you know, I can't release this book and be an active military member. That the the two things just don't mesh, you yeah. know. Do you think do you think that uh, would you have do you think you would have been discharged because of it, or is it like, or is it just would have just been hard the last few years, or? So I just I just realized that in order to do that and in order to say what I needed to say, that it was just going to be a pain. Um, to be honest with you that I didn't need, you know, I, I, I got to the point that, you know, it was, it was, I was just about finished with it. They had to review the book, um, before I could release it. Um, because they wanted to scrub it to make sure there was nothing classified in it. And so I was talking to some people about doing interviews and, and, you know, they were like, well, you know, if, since you're still active duty, you're going to have to get a list of questions that they're going to ask you. And then we want to see how are you going to respond to yeah. each of these questions? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's not really an interview. That's like, uh, that's just like a structured Q and a just kind of garbage. You know, there, yeah. it, there couldn't be any off the cuff questions you know yeah. you got to follow the script yeah yeah and, and i couldn't do that pretty, pretty much like camp, <laughs> like it was pretty much like campaign trail questions like you, you know it's going to be asked and you can't go off script <laughs> um, yeah yeah exactly how you know one thing i want to ask you about like now you're back in school and going into a career in psychology and going into for a degree in psychology do you like having gone through these experiences and i'm sure you know, most of the other students haven't, and I, I know it might be weird with COVID and you might not be like in classrooms. Um, but, uh, do you feel like, do you, do you, do you like relate, like, are you learning more about your experiences going through like this kind of program? Are you bringing this stuff up? Like, how is this affecting like your, your, your school, you know, or your education? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, uh, in, in studying this psychology stuff, uh, I, I definitely have a different perspective on it. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a different perspective on depression and, and, and things like that. And a lot of these psychological ailments, like, you know, a, a lot of people will tell you if, if you go to a, a psychologist and you tell them you're depressed, they're going to put you on antidepressants and they'll tell you, you know, uh, your depression is because of a chemical imbalance in the brain and that these, you, you take these pills and um, it's going to restore some kind of normal chemical balance in your brain. And I don't see it that way. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of these ailments and things arise from improper thinking. Yeah. Um, so in other words, you don't become depressed because there's a chemical imbalance in the brain. I think Either way, there is a chemical imbalance in the brain, but what causes that, I think, are your improper thoughts and your improper approach to life, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, there's not as much so, um, mentoring for that type of stuff as there might have been in past times, you know? Like, I, yeah. I, you know, it's like in the world today, it's just kind of rushed and you go through things and, you know, and everyone wants to easy out. So, you know, now, now our medical care is more just prescribing medicines for physical things without looking at the ramifications of that or the, or it's never seems to be getting to the root of the problem. It just seems to be dealing with symptoms chemically or, or right. interventionally, you know, rather than getting to the root of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the root of the issue is 
consciousness, actually. And and I, I think that that's the root of the issue of everything. Because, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and uh, she was saying, you know, what happened to you? You don't care about, you know, voting rights anymore. You don't care about, uh, you know, equality or, you know, anything like that anymore. What is wrong with you? And, you know, my answer to that is that I, I don't view those things as the problem, right? I, I think there there is a singular problem, which is the fact that we haven't found consciousness and that all of these other things, this racism, you know, inequality, uh, poverty, all of those things were, are results of that, you know? So, so these are really just symptoms of the larger problem, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And so, you know, the only way to finally and permanently rid yourself of these symptoms is to cure the problem, yeah. right? Once everybody knows who and what they are, uh, all of these other things just melt away. Yeah. You know, they're not issues anymore. Yeah. So what's, like, how is it going through school? I only ask because, you know, I went through um, grad school and, I found there's so much, uh, you, you feel like these are going to be bastions of like education and you just find that there's a lot of, there can be not everywhere and not every school, not every program, but you know, there can be a lot of indoctrination and, and dogma that gets forced on you. Um, are you finding like resistance to this type of stuff when you're dealing with your professors and, and, and dealing with the, with the work that you got to do in your program? Or is, is it like, are people like, open and become, you know, like a people open to like, you know, your perspectives on things. It's just a curiosity for me as someone who's went through school. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would say it's kind of a crapshoot, sure. you know, I, there, there are people who are more open to it than others. In fact, I was so in one of my classes, uh, there was uh, one lecture where the professor was talking about, uh, you know, exactly what we were just talking about, psychedelic drugs and their use throughout history. And she was saying that she doesn't like calling them drugs yeah. because there's this whole, you know, culturally speaking throughout the world, these drugs have been not drugs, but Medicine, they're yeah. like a gate gateway to a spiritual experience, yeah. you know? And so, you know, she's reluctant to just put them in a box of these are drugs yeah. um, and they have, they have an effect on the brain and, and kind of deny this whole um, culturally spiritual thing um, surrounding them that has been going on for thousands of years, you know? Um, so there, there is, there is, there are quite a few people that are very accepting of that kind of thing. Um, and there are others that, you know, aren't that yeah. want to stick to the, 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 the so-called science, yeah. you know? Sure. Yeah. No, it's, and, and that's going to be one of the hurdles just in life and in the world, you know, is that, you know, there's, um, some people are open to things and, and not what's your, what's your plan? <clears throat> like, I mean, it sounds like you were given kind of a heavy, for lack of a better term, heavy cross to bear. And I'm not trying to say it in a religious term, but you know, they're <laughs> like, Hey, you're, you're a shepherd of man. And you know, and you know, you know, this and that, and that was kind of like, you know, not put on you, but it's something that was, you know, kind of, yeah, for, that was placed on you. Um, 
what's your plan with that? Like, I know you're going to school for psychology. Like what's, what's kind of, and you know, you put out your book and, you know, give, gave up your career so you could put this book out and start getting, getting your, 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 not only your experiences out, but your perspective out, um, like kind of what's your game plan between, you know, with your new career and going into, going into psychology, like what's at the end of the tunnel, like, what are you seeing? Like as what you want to do with this, like in your life, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I've already, I've already started writing a second book because I, I under, I now understand, you know, what I went through, what, why it happened to me, how I got there. And so I, I'm writing this book now just that's just kind of like describing how I got to this point in my life, you know, and, and, and kind of from early childhood until the events happened, you know, kind of my worldview, what I, what kind of psychological things I took and applied to my everyday life and how I did that so that, so that others can do that, you know? Yeah. Um, because there, there, there is so much of this that is psychologically based. Um, and I think it all goes back to the brain and how it works. And, you know, we, we like to say that, you know, within our society that there are, you know, all kinds of worldviews and that, uh, you know, nothing is black and white and everything there's, there's all of this gray, but really uh, everything is black and white, right? Like in terms of math exists, right? Math exists, physics exists, one plus one equals two. Um, and, and so everything is really very cut and dry in terms of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and psychology is no different. The only reason it's different is because not many of us have reached this point. So not many of us see it from that perspective, but I can see very clearly that, you know, there, there is a correct worldview. Um, you know, and, and, and I know that that might be kind of controversial because everyone wants to have their politics, but, but there is a correct way to view the world and to view the, the people around you. Um, and, and that's, that's just it. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm writing this book now to try and, you know, whittle that down for people and, and, and kind of show them how to do what I did in my life to reach the conclusions that I did. But, you know, ultimately everybody's on their own journey. Yeah. And so what, what I want people to be able to do is to apply these things to their own life um, in a way that will get them there, you know? And that's why, you know, when I'm talking about transformational experiences, they don't have to be these, you know, giant revelatory experiences where you're suddenly awakened to the true nature of the universe. Ultimately, that's the goal. But throughout your life, you will have all kinds of smaller initiatory experiences where you change your mind and you change direction. And, 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 and I want people to understand that, that always arises from a place of exhaustion. You know, when you finally, you've been put through the ringer because you've been doing things wrong and, and you finally admit to yourself that it was wrong. And so you move on, you know, from a different perspective and you try something new. 
and 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 those are initiatory experiences within themselves and i think they should be recognized as such uh but people don't think of them that way you know yeah yeah and so that that's 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 basically my goal for the rest of my life is to just try to get other people to where i am so that they know what i know you know sure so yeah, instead of prescribing meds, you're gonna be like, uh, read three chapters of the Kabbalion and uh, call me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I, I don't I don't have anything against drugs. I I don't use them, but I can yeah. see the dangers in using drugs because you know one of the things that I looked at and one of the things that I was led to was this guy named Alistair Crowley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh yeah, I know I know Crowley. Yep. Yeah, but he was he was a famous occultist, yep. and you know he founded this religion based on the fact that he was using all of these drugs and uh, hallucinating, and which I don't really think were hallucinations, but he was misinterpreting what he was being shown and what he was seeing, yep. and and he created this whole religion based on that that just does all kinds of weirdness and yeah. nonsense that you don't need to do. And it's just you talking about like the, 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 the golden Dawn stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like Thelma and all that. Yeah, yep, yep. And I'm, and I, I mean, there's no, there's no reason to do any of that. I, that I can see. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I, I feel like if you, if you just have the drugs and you've got nobody walking you through this, you're, you're kind of in danger of yeah. winding up there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Is like, is sometimes you you need someone to kind of bring you through, and that's you know, in in ancient cultures, you had like a shamanic type of presence, uh, a person in your in your uh, society that that was their role was to help bring. They would help bring you through some of those experiences. We're, we're kind of missing that in in today's world, the modern world. It's more like, all right, yeah, take take these meds. Um, but you know, the problem is with yeah. anything like, oh, take these meds, whether it is you know, uh, pharmaceuticals or whether it is psychedelics, like if you just become, if you just become dependent on taking the meds to solve your problems, you're never going to put in the work you need to put in to actually, you know, address the underlying issues. Um, right. Which yeah. becomes like a, which furthers the problem along, you know, and that's what, it's probably why we get so many people dependent on, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, you know, it's a, why yeah. It's a, why it's yeah. A, trillion dollar industry or whatever you know but you know um but yeah man i mean this is a super interesting talk um and i i uh, can't wait to see the next book i, I still got to finish this one like i said I'm, I'm like somewhere between half and three quarters through i'm reading it on my kindle so i don't I, it's hard to say exactly i i i uh, mm -hmm. I, I i love having hard books or hard copies of of or physical copies of books but I find the Kindle now I can have every book on one thing, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, yeah, but with the Kindle, it's just kind of hard, man. Like I, I haven't, I don't, you can't flip through and see like where you are and stuff, but, um, mm -hmm. but whatever. Um, but yeah, man, uh, anything else before we wrap up? Like, uh, this was a, was an awesome talk. Uh, 
I know I want to urge people to go out, get your book. It's uh, Matthew Roberts. Uh, it's, it's called Initiated. You can get it on Amazon. I'm sure there's a ton of other places you can get it uh, if you don't want to support the Amazon machine. Um, but but uh, what, uh, how can people see more about you? Do you, you, uh, you know, if you want to give out a website or your, your uh, social media sites and stuff so people can check you out or find out more information? Uh, yeah, probably the easiest thing to do would just be to go to my Facebook page, Matthew Roberts UAP on Facebook, and uh, you'll find me there. I've got all kinds of posts. Uh, that'll probably take you to my Twitter and everything else. So, yeah. Perfect. And then, uh, you know, what would be, if you had to recommend, you know, someone was interested in learning more about like this whole process and, you know, um, you know, they feel like there's something more out there and they want to get started on this type of journey. Like what would be your advice? You know, like first step advice. I know it's probably hard. There's not a universal thing, but like, what would you say to someone like to, to get them kind of started on this path for themselves? Um, what I would recommend honestly is, um, so what I came to recognize is that this happens at a certain time of year. Uh, and it starts in the fall and it ends in the spring. So heading into fall, um, I would, which is kind of metaphorical for what the whole process is. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you've got the death of everything that happens in the fall and the rebirth rebirth, in the spring. Um, and and that, that's kind of the whole mythologic, you know, part of this. Uh, so what I would, what I would suggest and you know, one last thing too, uh, I, I found it interesting that suicides increase at this time of year as well, because that's when depression becomes the most severe. Yeah. Uh, so, that to me is kind of evidence that all of us are going through this. Right. And I, and I feel like if people were to maybe start picking up these books by the Yogi publication society and, and William Walker Atkinson, um, starting in the fall that they would perhaps have these experiences, you know, Mm -hmm. because he wrote, like I said, 105 books on a myriad of topics. Um, some of them like, uh, what happens to you after you die, things like that. And often when I would have an experience, I would consult these books, you know, and then I would find my answer in them uh, as to what I had just experienced. And uh, so they're, they're, they're an invaluable resource, uh, although it's not the kind of resource that people would normally think um, because it's not, you know, scientific uh, quote unquote, so to speak, you know, it, it's more metaphysical and mysticism. Uh, but I, I of course just know that to be a natural part of the universe in which we live and that's nothing to be afraid of. And so, yeah, just start reading these books by the Yogi Publication Society and see what happens. You know, I, I, I bet a lot of people start to have experiences. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know you're busy and you got a ton going on. And, uh, uh, you know, we went, we went a couple hours here on the phone. Didn't even feel, it didn't even seem like it, but, um, but yeah, man, thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, go check out his book, Matthew Roberts uh, initiated. (laughs) 